The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. If you could see what I once was If you could go with me Back to where I started from Then I know you would see A miracle of love speak about one of the primary teachings of Jesus Christ. One of the primary teachings of Jesus Christ. It's not a pleasant subject. It's something I try to do at least once a year. I believe it deserves that, sometimes twice a year, and many times as God would have me do it. Uh, if you look in the bulletin there, or if you haven't looked in the bulletin, is uh, what could be so bad that it was better to never have been born? Take your Bibles Matthew chapter 26 and verse 24. You do not have to turn to the next passage, which will be in Mark chapter 14, verse 21, a parallel passage. But turn to Matthew chapter 26 and verse 24. Judas Iscariot was picked, hand-picked, as the other 11 were, to be Jesus' disciple. Somehow or another, Judas Iscariot, though he had seen everything, heard everything, been there through everything, he had seen him walk on water. He had seen him calm the sea with his word. He had seen him control fish and, and gather. He saw, he saw the dumb that could not speak, speak. He saw the lame that could not walk, walk. He saw the blind that could not see, see. I mean, he would seen the whole thing. He had seen him take a little basket of fishes and a few pieces of bread and feed 15, feed five, I'm going to say 15,000 minimum because it was 5,000 males, 4,000 men plus plus all that were with him, 15,000, 20,000 people. He saw the thing multiply. He helped pass it out, and he helped gather the scraps that were left together, uh, and there was more than what originally he started with. People will say to me sometimes, if God would come to me more clearly, I'd believe. Would you? I say this, if you won't believe with what God has given you to believe with, you wouldn't believe if he stood beside you. You wouldn't believe if he, if he appeared at the end of your bed and said, I'm Jesus. You'd make up some story or you'd make, think it was an alien come down that had been left here centuries ago and had come back and that's what the chariots of the God's book was all about and some alien form that's superior to us or you've watched just too much Star Trek. That's your problem. Matthew 26, 24, he's speaking of Judas here. He said, the son of man goeth as it was written of him. But woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Judas was not the last one to betray Jesus. He was one of the first ones to betray Jesus. People have been betraying Jesus ever since Judas. And he says, 
Listen to this unbelievable statement. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. In Mark chapter 14, a parallel passage, verse 21, The Son of Man indeed goeth, it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good were it for that man if he had never been born. Now, i got to ask you a question. What in the world is so awful that Jesus Christ himself, the one that was come as the Lamb of God to give himself for your sin and for my sin on Calvary, satisfy and pay for the very justice of every sin committed, that justice demanded for every sin ever committed, sparing nothing, taking everything that justice demanded of God, righteous God upon himself, on Calvary. What could be so bad that Jesus Christ, God manifests in the flesh, would say it would have been better had he never been born? Think about it. Who would know more than Jesus about what's to come? Well, who would know more than he? And yet he says, it had been better the man never had been born than to die in a condition he died in. In Matthew, in Luke chapter 12, you take your Bible. We'll just do a little Bible study at the beginning here, and I'm going to apply it. Luke chapter 12, verse 4 and 5. Just over a book or two, two books from Matthew. In Luke chapter 12, verse 4 and 5, it says, I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. You should not be afraid of terrorists. You should not be afraid of the Islamics. Because the worst they can do to us is kill us. But just kill our body. But Jesus adds a little something in the next, in the next verse. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell, yea, I say unto you, that's you here today, fear him. Now there's not a whole lot of this taught around the churches of America today. A woman came to me after last season, she said, we've, we visited church for six months and all we've heard is happy, happy, happy. All we heard is joy, 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 happy, 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 forgive, forgive, forgive. We have not heard the Bible. We want to hear the Bible. Well, I'm going to speak to you today for about 30 minutes on the Bible. You say, well, I don't like what I'm going to hear. That, fine. You can do whatever. But it's not Bill Lytell that wrote that. I did not write this. I did not originate this. This is a truth that's been taught since Jesus said the words, and they were put in print, and they were, uh, they were translated from that point on from the first century, and they've been preached every century since then by Bible-preaching men of God. The punishment spoken of here must, must, by the description just in these few verses so far, must be worse or something different from annihilation that is taught by the cults and by the liberals, or this, this teaching that when you die you cease to exist somehow or another, it must, by the nature of the phrases, 
be something more awesomely horrible in nature than just being cast into a place called the lake of fire and all of a sudden you cease to exist. If it is something so bad that you should never have been born. By the way, people come to me and say, God is love. That is a biblical statement. God is love. You've never met anybody that loves you like God. He gave his only begotten son for you. Jesus loves you. This I know. But God does not love and condone sin. And if you choose not to go to Jesus as your Savior and humble yourself under his provision of sacrifice, then you will have to stand and bear the wrath of the sin that you, you committed. And you'll find God is not a merciful God when it comes to judging sin. Ultimately, all sin will be judged the way it deserves to be judged. You say, well, God is love. He just would never, ever cast anybody into the description of that the Bible gives, at least the New Testament, of a place called hell. There's just no way, preacher. Well, let me try to give you a few heads up on that. Matthew chapter 8, verse 18 through 29. You do not have to turn there. Jesus and his disciples go to a place called Gennesaret. I've been there. It's the only place in the whole Sea of Galilee. There's a cliff. And, and the Gadarene maniac, you've heard of him, the Gadarene maniac, a couple of them came out, and they were possessed of demons. And the demons, when then them guys argued, they said, we know who you are. You are the Son of God. Now, in, in, in the Hebrew mind, when you call somebody the Son of God, you were ascribing to him deity. You are the Son of God. Have you come to torment us before the time? Now, these are spirit beings called demons who, are, who understand the spirit world. And in their knowledge of the spirit world, they understand who somehow or they could see who Jesus really was. And every time he confronts these demons, one way or another, they know who he is and that they are under his control. They were under his verbal command. Please don't send us into the abyss. Send us over there to that, that herd of swine way over there, and we'll go into them. He said, go. They went into the swine, ran down violently and over a cliff into the Sea of Galilee. The Bible is so accurate. That's the only place in the Sea of Galilee that could have happened. The demons ascribed to Jesus Christ that he was going to eventually torment them. The word torment, look it up. It's a serious word, whoa. So in the demonic mind, in the spirit world, they believe that God is going to and has, has the right to indeed torment them. So who are we on this side of that spirit world who knows so little of the spirit world except by what the Bible tells us that we would assume to say that God is love and because he's love, he would never cast anybody into hell. Who in the world are we to say that? What knowledge do we come from, or to where do we get that? Maybe I think it comes from that old thing about imaging. If you, if you say it enough, it'll somehow go away. That's most of the presidential candidates seem to be that way. In Matthew 5, 29, it says, 
If thy right eye offend thee, these are Jesus' words, by the way, people. Look them up. If thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of the members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. What? And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. People say to me, Brother Bill, we're not going to have a body after we die. Oh, we're not? In, in John chapter 5, verse 28, he said, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good on the resurrection of, of life. They that have done evil on the resurrection of damnation. Both the, those that are going to be resurrected to life are given new bodies to live in for eternity in life, and those that are going to be resurrected to damnation are given new bodies in which to live their eternity in torment in a place called hell. But, but whether you're saved or not saved, or whether you've rejected Christ or accepted him, everybody gets a new eternal body to dwell in in eternity. Read it. John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29. Read it. It's clear. Now, why would he say all of that if there's no conscious torment after death for those that miss Christ? Wow. Over and over again, in Mark chapter 9, verse 43 and following, you ought to look that up sometime, but not while I'm preaching, hopefully. You'll find it three times, he says, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Mark 9, 44, exactly. What in the, Jesus Christ himself said there is a place that is so horrible for those who reject really him, him and salvation through Jesus Christ because he said, I am the way, I am the truth and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And brother, if you don't go through Jesus to the Father, then the only, only place that you have is to answer for your own sin. And all of those that answer for their own sin, according to Revelation chapter 20, are going to be cast into a place called the lake of fire. That's what I'm preaching about this morning. I don't want anybody in my sound of my voice, whether it be over the internet or whether it be here in this room, to go to this place. I was motivated to trust Christ as my Savior because of the teaching on hell. Raise your hand if that something had something to do with you being saved. Amen. Numbers of look how many. Look how many. Over half of the folks here were motivated. So you say, Brother Bill, I don't think you ought to preach on hell. Are you kidding me? Jesus' words. And if half of these folks here were motivated to get saved because of the warning of Jesus Christ not to go to this place called hell, and who would know better than Jesus Christ that it existed and how horrible it was than him, I'm going to believe him. I'm going to believe him. I was five years old in the Sunday school class at First Baptist Church in Elkhart, Indiana. My Sunday school teacher did a little flannel graph. You remember that? Little flannel graph. They have a little thing here. They got they, they have these little characters. And she had a little little thing here. We had a, a kind of river of people walking down here, and had a big a, a opening here. And then, and there was flames coming up in this thing. And 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 there was these people. And they, she had these people falling off of this cliff into these flames. And as she as she did that whole flannel graph, she described that if you miss Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, you have no choice but to be cast in this place called hell because that's where all those who pay for their own sin must go and spend all eternity in there. And she went into biblical explanation at five-year-old, five-year-old. 
I sat there in that chair, and the Holy Spirit of God began to whisper to me, began to tell me, Bill, that's you. You, haven't tr- you, you, don't have, no, you have no provision for your sin. You say, has a five-year-old sinned? Are you kidding me? I had lied. I had cheated. I had smoked cigarettes already <laughs> because I had older brothers. I'd sinned, I'd envied, I'd hated. I'd had all kinds of sin at five years old. In fact, how old is your kid? How many? Has she sinned yet? Took after Adam? Yeah. A 10-month-old sin. Yeah! A six-week-old baby will throw a doggone old-fashioned temper tantrum just because they ain't happy about something or another, and they'll throw a little temper tantrum, spit their food out on the floor. <laughs> now, I'm not saying it's the kind of maybe in the degree that older people do with foreknowledge and all that other stuff. If if, if the fire in hell is not a continual torment, how can Jesus talk about degrees of torment the way he does in the Gospels? In Matthew chapter 10, 14 and 15, and Luke chapter 20, 46 and 47, he he describes two cities that he did most of his miracles in, the city of Capernaum, the city of Chorazin and Bethsaida, up in the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. And he tells them, if I had done these things in the presence of Sodom and Gomorrah, now, folks, you don't get any worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. It's like saying, if I had done these things in the presence of San Francisco, if I had done these things in the presence of Key West, if I had done these things in the presence of, of, of Las Vegas, which nicknames themselves Sin City, they would have repented. Long ago, in sackcloth and ashes. That's real old-fashioned repentance there, buddy. He said, another, he goes on to say, it, in the day of judgment, it's going to be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah, which we so aptly condemn, which are an example to everybody that will live ungodly not to live ungodly. It'll be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than for Bethsaida and Chorazin. And for those that have seen my miracles and heard my preaching and have turned away from it. John the Baptist came preaching and they said, he hath a demon. Jesus Christ comes preaching another way. He said, he's a wine-bibber and a glutton. They wouldn't believe truth no matter how truth presented itself. Presented itself under John the Baptist, a man out there away from the things of the city. And they wouldn't believe it under Jesus Christ who ate with sinners and and was a normal kind of a guy. No matter what truth came, it didn't make any difference how truth came. They didn't want truth. And the Bible says it and Jesus says it in John chapter 3, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. The reason people don't get saved, they come up with a cloud of of witnesses that they say, well, I saw a preacher fall once, I saw a deacon fall once, I had a member that was wicked and a hypocrite, he was just probably a song leader, and I'm going to tell you, 
Wouldn't doubt if he played the violin. But that ain't going to be any excuse. The real excuse is men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And they didn't want to face the truth. They didn't want to face that they, were gonna, they weren't going to be able to party anymore. They weren't going to be able to drink their booze anymore. They weren't going to be able to commit immorality anymore. They weren't going to be able to lust on women in secret anymore. They weren't going to be able to look at pornography anymore. Because they knew if they got born from above, that would be gone. Make excuses up. Not to, not to be saved. There are degrees in punishment, so that means the punishment must be continuous. Are you getting the logic? If you got degrees of punishment, it must be continuous. It can't be thrown in there, thrown in there. No. You, I'll guarantee you, after studying the Bible for all these years that this book says that you're going to be conscious for all eternity. If you don't believe it, challenge me. Challenge me. Challenge the book. You'll find out you're wrong. The book's right. You are going to be conscious somewhere. I tell people you're going to spend eternity somewhere. I have in the back of the shirts we're giving out. Are you ready to meet God? I have a lot of people come to me, and I wear that shirt, and they'll say, I'm ready. Oh, you need to be ready. But it can't be what you think. It's got to be what this teaches. God cares about people. He's not trying to damn you to hell. Are you kidding me? Jesus Christ, the one that said all of this that I've said this morning, is the very one who May, he made himself in the form of a servant in the likeness of men and being found in fashion man he humbled himself became obedient unto death even the death of the cross surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows we did esteem him stricken smitten of God and afflicted he was bruised for our transgressions he's wounded he bids you to come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden I'll give you rest you're in here without forgiveness or knowledge of forgiveness of your sins this morning, don't leave this room. Don't leave this room without knowing for sure you're saved. Jesus Christ loves you. He died for you, and that's why he spoke. Did you know hell's mentioned 54 times in the Bible? Jesus Christ mentions it more than anyone else. The Bible says where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched, that's mentioned some seven times in the gospel. This way, this preaching on hell, this preaching of the straight gate and the narrow way may not be popular, but it is true. It is biblical. Some people say, well, you can't know. What if they're wrong? People tell me, I don't believe in hell, brother. I don't believe in hell. I just don't believe in it. I don't believe a good God, a loving God would do that. Well, I'm saying, what if you're wrong and I'm right? But what if you're right and I'm wrong? I've lost nothing. I've lost nothing. Let's say I die and I find out there really was no hell, but I encourage people to get saved. But let's say that you die and you find out there is a hell standing before the great white throne judgment. Jesus Christ, it's too late. Nobody's saved after you close your eyes in death. Oh, the agony is described in the Bible. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The Bible says in John 
524 says, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. Will you accept God's plan of rescue for you this morning? Will you say, you know what? I believe Jesus died. I just believe it. You say, I can't explain. It's better t- felt than tell. You can't explain why you, why you know you know, but you just know. Because God, the Holy Spirit's there telling you this is the truth. You've heard all kinds. Of, we had in our, in our interviews for membership, we get real blessed by people that come by. And I remember a woman that's here this morning. She said, I visited, I was hunting for truth, and I visited Job Witness, and I, if just something said, that ain't true. I visited some other deal she mentioned. She said, I just looked at that, and I said, just something in me said, this ain't right, this ain't true. She said, I, I finally heard the gospel for the first time, and there's a voice in my side that said, this is true. And she got saved, born again, and here this morning, living for Jesus. The physical agonies in hell is too many to mention this morning. First of all, I want to tell you, according to the Bible, hell's location seems to be in the middle of the earth somewhere. All I can tell you, I saw a show about uh, uh, volcanoes yesterday. All I can, it's real hot in the middle of the earth. Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 says, In the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in, every, in heaven and in, in things in the earth and things under the earth. And there's many other verses I don't have time to show you. But it seems to be in the middle of the earth. It seems to always talk about going down, going down, going down, beneath. You ever heard of the uh, atheist Bernard Russell? Bernard Russell, a well-known atheist years ago. He has, here's a note. Here's a quote of him. I'm going to read it to you. This is from an atheist. This is one very serious defect, and I'm quoting, in Christ's moral character, and that is that he believed in hell. I do not feel that any person who is really profoundly human can believe in everlasting punishment. I do not think that a person with a proper degree of kindliness in his nature would have put fears and terrors of that sort into the world. I think this doctrine put cruelly into the world and gave the world generations of cruel torture, and the Christ of the Gospels would certainly have to be considered partly responsible for that. So in his egotism and wisdom, he's saying Jesus is responsible for torturing 2,000 years of people by teaching there's a place called hell. Bernard, you know better now. You know better now. I'll guarantee you, like the rich young ruler that went to hell, you're begging to somebody to go back and just mention, just mention Jesus to your relatives, that they come not to this place. It's a place you say, oh, don't, don't it just make you cringe when you see these young people with bumper stickers and say, look, we're all going to party in hell. Come join the party in hell. And they wear, they wear T-shirts about it and talk about it. Notice that as they're doing all that, they're not in any pain. That'll change the whole conversation, wouldn't it? Somebody said to me, I don't care if I go to hell. I said, okay, you don't care? I want you to go home, take your stove, put it on high, let it get red. See how long you can hold your hand on that. Oh, he said, I couldn't hold my hand in that five seconds. I said, what if somebody held your hand on that? The Bible says there'll be be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
people in hell will have these eternal bodies that do not decay. There will be thirstiness. There will be darkness. There will be restlessness. The Bible says no rest. Revelation chapter 14, verse 10 and 11, there will be no rest day or night. There'll be screaming. There'll be corruption. There'll be filth. There will be stench. There will, there will be chains. There will be languishing loneliness. I've been around a little bit, and I can tell you loneliness changes people. Loneliness is big. Loneliness isn't small, it's big. You say, you that haven't been really lonely don't know what I'm talking about, do you? But you that have been lonely know. Loneliness will drive people out of their mind. Loneliness. See, there'll be no parties in hell. There'll be loneliness. No creativeness. No, no, no honor, no riches, no life. You want to avoid it? Come to Jesus Christ. Ask Him to be your personal Savior. The Bible says, If thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I believe, I believe God can't lie. I believe He's love. I believe He can't lie. He said, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. There is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain, brother. Gain heaven. By the grace of Almighty God, it's been paid for. It's been sealed by the grace of God. It's been, it's, it is done and, and it's offered to you and to me as a free gift, meaning we don't have and can't pay for it. It's too expensive. We could never do it. It has to be given to it as given to us as a gift, or we'd never receive it. Why don't you say yes to Jesus today? I mean, get serious with God. Quit playing religion. Quit going to church once in a while, saying, "Hi, God, I'm here," throwing a buck or two in the offering, thinking it's going to be okay. It's not going to be okay. Come to Christ with all your heart. The greatest commandment: Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, all thy strength. So you know, you know better. When I got married, I knew I was to love Kathy with all my heart. I couldn't love another woman and love her. That was hypocritical. It wasn't truthful. Come to Christ. Ask him to be your savior. I remember after that Sunday school class at five years old, I was under such deep, deep conviction. I went home on the way home, right where Bristol Street and Castle Street cross. I'm in the back seat. I kind of shimmy up to the edge of the seat of that old 50-something Chevy. I don't remember what year it was now. 57, I think. That was a good year, by the way. And I said, I need to be saved. Mom knew exactly what to do. She questioned me about a few things. She says, would you pray and ask Jesus? And I asked Jesus to save me. Five-year-old kid. It's true. You lived next door to me for years. We shared our dreams, our joys, and our tears. A friend to me, you were indeed a friend who helped me when in need. My faith in you was strong, sure. 
We had such trust as should endure. No spats between us ever rose. Our friends were like and and so our foes. What sadness then, my friend, to find that after all you weren't so kind. The day my life on earth did end, I found you weren't a faithful friend. For all those years you spent on earth, you never talked of the second birth. You never spoke of my lost soul and of Christ who'd make me whole. I plead today from hell's cruel fire and tell you now my heart's desire. You cannot do a thing for me. No words today my bonds will free. But do not err again, my friend. Do all you can for the souls of men. Plead with them now quite earnestly, lest they be cast into hell with me. Father, we pray that the Spirit of God would come, would take these words, these fumbling, bumbling words that sometimes come out of my mouth, not doing justice really to the Gospels and to the words of Jesus. But I've done what you've asked me to do. I pray now that the Spirit of God would take over. There would not be a soul in the sound of my voice that would go to the place called hell. Not a soul. Not with salvation so easy, so ready, available, so purchased. Oh, Father, come. Convince them as I could not. And may folks say yes to Jesus today with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, accepting the free gift of eternal life, being willing to turn from their sin, their way of life to Christ. Help them. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm kind of homesick for a country.
shall end in silence.